0: I have not been okay, I've been tired, my soul weary. Like the rest of you, I've watched in horror for those 8 minutes and 46 seconds as George Floyd used his last breaths to call for his mother. I subjected myself to countless hours of trauma porn by watching the news coverage of the murder. And that's after two solid months of using the numbers from John Hopkins as some type of scoreboard as it ticked off the thousands that have died from COVID-19. I've watched the protests where every ethnicity across 50 states and 18 nations have assembled peacefully to advocate for black lives just mattering. To advocate for black people to not be killed at the hands of the police. I've watched those same protests be escalated to violence. Those protests about cops abusing blacks being escalated by cops. And I've watched those protests anxiously, knowing that those same lives that are willing to put themselves on the line for justice might just be putting themselves on the line doubly so, potentially exposing themselves to COVID-19. Protesting during a pandemic. its a lot. And all of it has made my soul weary. It's made me sad. But none of it has made me as sad as I was the other night. When I came across the thoughts of 26-year-old Brianna Taylor, who was murdered as she slept in her own bed by the Louisville PD. I saw her tweets and how she believed 2020 was going to be her year. How she looked forward to having kids and couldn't wait to see their faces as they opened presents on Christmas morning. How she wished she, as the strong friend, had someone she could lean on from time to time. She was a frontline worker, literally putting her life on the line in the ER. And now she's gone. She was black excellence. She is what is helping me get through my weariness. She has made me even more committed to using my platform to amplify stories of black excellence, to let the world know how amazing we are. I'm tired and I haven't been okay, but I'm not done. I'm ready to do my part, ready to protest in my own way. This week, our black excellence comes in the form of Chef Hardett Harris, an award winning chef who grew up near Shreveport, Louisiana, and has used her voice and talents to serve her community. It was my honor to speak with her and listen as she told her story about what she calls us up north. I'm sure you'll love it too. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to black excellence, Chef Det Harris. This is Dawson Eats America, the podcast. Let's go. Tell everybody who you are and what you do, chef.
1: My name is Hargett Harris, and I'm a professionally trained chef. I have a culinary degree, and I went to culinary school to specifically be a private chef. I didn't want a restaurant. I didn't want to cater. I didn't want to make, like, 1,500 chickens. I just wanted to do private one-on-one meals. And so I did that for a few years, and a uh, long story short, fast forward, I'm back in Louisiana. That was in Houston, which I'm from Louisiana, but I went to Houston early. I uh, lived there for a lot of years, went to culinary school, worked at the police department, did a whole bunch of things. And um, 2013, I moved back home to be closer to my aging parents. But over the years, traveling back and forth, I noticed that we in North Louisiana had taken South Louisiana cuisine as our own. And I just was like, but it's not, and I know I'm not the only person that sees we're being fraudulent and fake about this. That's not our food. That's not our heritage. We aren't near the water. We we, we aren't. We just don't. That's just not us. We're about um, the fields and fresh waters and and our vegetables and our 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 meats and our smoked meats. And, you know, it's just different. And so when I moved back, my back, I did go into private chefing. I was a private chef. I loved that. I did that in Houston in San Antonio and so when I got back here I wanted to take it easy and see what uh, um, exactly I was gonna do with myself and um, so I knew right away I wanted to kind of pick up this um, South lose I mean um, North Louisiana cuisine and celebrate it so I just kind of off the top of my head I said I'm gonna do kind of some publicity and and have a dinner and with that dinner I was just gonna cook North traditional North Louisiana food and invite people. And and that's what I did. And we had a few people there. Um, Adrian Miller was there and the state representative, Gene Reynolds was there. Uh, Adrian Miller was my guest, the food scholar, Um, award-winning book, James Beard author, uh, food scholar, and uh, a few other officials and local people that I did not know any of them because I just moved back here. And so afterwards, uh the state representative walked up to me and said i love what you're doing thank you so much uh because i've had people coming to town and they want to know let's what do you eat here because we know this isn't cajun creole country so what is it that you eat you know just like if you go to mexico or wherever you go you want the real deal where you go you don't go to the south of france and want hot dogs or spaghetti you know you want what they eat in that little town he said there's nothing so um finally did that and uh, I said well you know I want to have these dinners. I just want to invite people and put the food in their mouths and say here's what we do so when I started researching on what will I put on the menu what are the things we really push and and, and we're really proud of and um, when I started doing that I saw there was nothing there was nothing that we pushed here in our area we pushed uh, crawfish we pushed uh, gumbo we pushed everything that wasn't ours I, I knew that Cajun Creole was not our thing. We're not etouffee, po boy people. We eat it, we cook it, but that's just not our thing. What do we do here? We eat what's readily available, pecan trees, peach trees, strawberries, blueberries, freshwater fish, um, farm animals like uh, chicken. We do a lot of fried chicken, you know, who doesn't? But it's just things that are really readily available here. And that's just what we eat. And so, and I really kind of home hung- on the freshwater fish because people, you know, this is fishermen's country here. And so we have the largest bass pro fishing tournaments here. So, you know, catfish and freshwater fish is our thing. So anyway, so that's what I knew I ate growing up here. So I said, well, maybe I need to make a little guide and just say, hey, when you eat here, this is, and I was just thinking like a little pamphlet to say, here's what we eat. So I went back to Representative Gene Reynolds, who said, if you need anything, let me know. So I called his office and said, I want to make like a little pamphlet, but I wasn't thinking official. And so they said, write down what you want, send it to us and we'll see how that works. So I did, took two days and sent it to them and they said, well, we'll see what happens. So they said, we're going to send it to Baton Rouge. They called me back and said, Baton Rouge wants to know, you know, what kind of, is this what you really want? So they sent it off, I waited and didn't hear anything. Uh, Weeks and weeks later, they said, here's the draft, is this what you want? Well, yeah, that's kind of what I want. Lo and behold, they said, well, they're going to read it during this upcoming legislative session, 2015, and they're going to vote on it, we'll let you know when that happens. And I'm thinking like, what? Like, I just wanted a little handbook. I I don't even know where this is going. So they voted on it. 2015 during that legislative session it became house concurrent resolution number 88 the official meal of north Louisiana um, and it celebrates north Louisiana cuisine and it just lists all of the things that we ate we eat here traditionally I did not know but it is the only it is the second only official state meal in the United States so official state meal is something you think probably every state would have But only Oklahoma has one. And the only other one is the one that I wrote. So that's what I do. That's who I am. That's what I do now is I do. I have a restaurant now, a little small restaurant, and I do culinary experiences. And everything I do is just pushed from that official meal. And I try to cook things in an authentic North Louisiana way. So some people say, well, isn't that just soul food? Well, it has items that are on the soul food plate but not necessarily oxtails or um, you know, macaroni and cheese, even though I do some of the local favorites, things like that. But traditionally, it's what we could go outside. Our ancestors could go outside, grow, and bring back in and eat. Or they had smoke houses. So our smoked meats, it's just things that we have here. So it's a lot of purple whole peas, greens, beans, things like that. So that's, that's what I'm doing right now here in Shreveport.
0: Now you mentioned your ancestors so let's take it back to the beginning when did you first knew that that food was going to be what you focused on like when you were younger did you like spend hours in the kitchen like just tell tell everybody how you got started that led you to culinary school
1: and everything else well i was once told that if you want to be a chef or do anything in the food industry you have to like to eat and so Here I am, that would be me. So I love to eat and sometimes I describe myself as a professional kicked up booty because I love to eat, I love to cook and play around in the kitchen. So that's what I did with my parents and my godmother and my mom and dad just go in there and take a recipe. And my mom was like, read line by line. So I made these brownies all the time. I cooked with my godmother making cakes for my godbrother. And just, you know, just like a little kid cooking. And I knew that's what I love to do. And even as an adult, a younger adult, I would just love to cook. And I said, you know, I haven't figured out what I want to do. I'll make cooking my profession. And that was when, you know, it became a thing to be a chef. And that's that's not what I was going for, but I realized I didn't want a restaurant. I could be a private chef. So that fit me perfectly because I love that one-on-one homely feel. And so um, that's kind of what I went for as a casual, home-style, healthy chef and cook for families that way. So that's kind of how I got my interest and decided that I'd go ahead and make my degree, get my degree in culinary arts. And that's interesting because, you know,
0: now you could say, hey, I, you know, I grew up, I loved to cook, I loved uh, doing different things. But when you're a private chef, now you're getting paid for it and right. not responsible for other people enjoying what you make, it's not just you, right? So, that That's right. first that first gig you had as a private chef, do you remember that? And did it go the way you thought it would?
1: I do remember that. It was it was kind of like get up in class, culinary school. Get up in class and say what you're doing now. So a girl got up and said, "I'm cooking for this family," and you know, I was, and I heard her. And after class, I said, "That's what I want to do." How did you find that? She said, "Go to career services. They have families that need chefs." That's what I did. Ironically, she was leaving that job, and her job had opened up. I went to that family interview, got that job. That was my first private chef job. It was a family, and I learned they were Jewish, and I learned from them how to. I made the filth the fish from scratch. I made uh, roast. You know, I did all kind of seder dinners, just really authentic Jewish food, and. From that, I just learned that it's all about the family. And they were the family that founded Gulf Coast Weight Watchers. So they hadn't eaten salt or sugar in 25 years. So that kind of flipped over my French classical training. So there's no sauces, there's no gravies. They didn't want any of that. Right. So that was a really good start with uh, low, you know, low-calorie, low-fat, low low-sugar low low type meals, which, you know, if you, have, if you can afford to have your own chef, isn't that what we all want to do is eat better? We go know. in there and do it. We're going to do what we like. Right. But if you can get somebody to think it out for you. So that was my first client and went on to a few more clients, and that was in Houston, and um, ended up, the client moved me to San Antonio and I was there four years. And then from there, I'm back in Louisiana. So I, I really enjoyed that. So, what was the
0: difference between uh, being a chef in
1: Louisiana, in North Louisiana, and, and being a chef in Texas? I think for me personally, it was what I did get. In Texas, it was strictly private chefing for what I wanted to do. I didn't really necessarily work for menus because a personal chef and a private chef is something different a lot of people don't know is that a personal chef cooks for a number of clients and so they have menus and things like that 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 you can choose your meals from or can be customized but a private chef is a person that can have their own chef that cooks directly for them. So I approached it like a family member. You go in, I interview them, I learn over time what they like, what they don't like, what their favorites are, what, you know, we haven't had such and such in a long time. And you become, you get such a a relationship going that they don't have to ask you anymore. I know right now that, hey, we haven't had, you know, egg parmesan in a long time. They would like that. And it's always on time. So you become part of that operation. So, um, that's what I liked about it, because it, you kind of do get in with that family feel. And a lot of people think that's live-in. A private chef is not a live-in person. It's just just like you go to work every day. I went there every day and cooked for them, and it was just as exciting as it sounds. I loved it.
0: Is there any meals that they love that you didn't love preparing?
1: Uh, you learn to like it there are things I don't like but I did prepare for them I don't like mushrooms oh me neither you, you, mm-hmm. see I I, there's nothing about it all if one mm-hmm. little piece lands on my pizza by accident I know it mm-hmm. and and I don't like coconut but I cooked with it and so I would you know I'd have to taste it you know as a professional I still got to taste it it was still nasty to me <laughs> I'm severely <laughs> I'm severely allergic to shellfish so but I still cooked it. And that that kind of almost hindered my um, going to culinary school because I thought, what chef can who can be a chef and not handle seafood? But and I still did it, and you know I've had a little bit pop in my eye and like, oh my god! But um, overall, it's been good. That they loved um, my healthy dishes that tasted good, that didn't feel you know strictly. Healthy, You know, sometimes we can make something that sounds like I mean, it tastes like it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, no, we don't want, you know, particularly scale down food all the time. So you kind of sneak in whole wheat pasta. A lot of people aren't fans of that. But, you know, over time, you know how to make things taste really good and hearty. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So speaking of
0: overtime, so you know you, you're in the industry now. You got your official, uh, your your official meal in North Louisiana. Like, so wh- who who were, like your 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 chef mentors? Like like when you were going through the processes of uh,
1: culinary school and becoming a private chef in Really, at one point, it was private chefs. I would research private chefs and what they did and i can't even really think of any names right now but i would be on the internet just googling private chefs and i'd go to their websites and just learn how they did this and everybody does you know they just do things differently um and with when it comes to the north louisiana food you know people like edna lewis and um, joe randall people that really celebrate their southern um, you know, roots to food and, and how they deliver it to their clients and to the to the public. That kind of thing really inspired me. I look at um, oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. Oh, people like um, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name, but he's in is in Carolina and he does the low country Gullah Geechee food. I think, I can't think of his name, but anyway. But just the authenticity of what they do, because their chef world is huge. And to see people that still stay true to their roots, they don't care about the mainstream of what's trending, they stay true to what they're trying to do, that really uh, is what I I admire a lot of chefs. And that's what I'm trying to do at US Up North. It's not a traditional soul food restaurant. When people come in and say, you don't have art sales? I said, I'm celebrating North Louisiana cuisine and I'm trying to present it the way my aunt or my grandmother or my parents would present it. Just like you went to someone's house, there's pots on the stove, and I we well, "We'll go in there and help yourself. You get a plate, you reach in, you fix your plate. You wouldn't sprinkle edible flowers or microgreens on it, right? right? It's just that authentic feel. And when people come in, I've noticed they stay a long time. When they finish eating, they're just in there talking for a long time. And it's kind of what I'm going for. I want them to feel relaxed, I want to feel like, you know, this is, you know, you're an extension of my kitchen. And so I, that's, that's really what us north is about. It's a new venture for me because I never really was going for a restaurant, but uh, um, it, I'm working on really that whole feel. So with this COVID break, uh, it's giving me some time to try to you know, really think hard on that and rework it to really what I want to do um, as it fits in our area in Shreveport. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask you how you are adjusting, but before I do that I want to ask you, so you, you mentioned Us Up North, so how did you come up with that name and why that name for the restaurant?
1: Well, because um, even before that was the name of my culinary experiences and everything that I did because living in Texas, I would say, oh, I'm going home for the weekend. And when I would get back, they would say, how was New Orleans? And I said, uh, what? I didn't go to New Orleans because to people, there's only one city in Louisiana. The top half just gets kind of, just is invisible to people. So um, I would always end up saying, well, what about us up north? You know, it, it, we're up here. And so I, that's how I came up with, with the name. It's all about us up north. So I thought that was Fitting to celebrate authentic food, our cuisine. I absolutely love that. I love the fact Thank that you. it's
0: it's it's really all about community uh, there because you said people they will stay after they eat their meal yeah. and just they feel like they're at home. So why was it important for you to keep the restaurant and the community?
1: Um, it it kind of happened. I was doing culinary experiences and looking for a place to have them. I didn't have a kitchen. I was just setting it up wherever I could. And this cute little place opened up, you know, and I said, give it a try. And and that's what I've done. And it's in this wonderful area called Allendale in Streetport. it's about a minute from downtown. And lo and behold, it's like blocks from where my grandfather had a diner, dy- liquor store and lounge in the 50s, where my mom worked. And it was called the Green Road Inn. And he sold the same thing that I'm doing, you know, barbecue, you know I think they did burgers and just you know authentic food and then down the street is a church that my great-grandfather founded Shiloh Baptist Church so I'm right, never planned it my mom grew up streets away I mean a blocks away on a street called Abbey so just think about it something that I did not even plan brought me right back to my roots right and so that it means a lot to be in a neighborhood that can feel what I'm doing you know so
0: is there anyone from the old neighborhood that has come into your new place like have they has any of the the, the
1: customers uh, translated yeah well you know some people that have come in a, a lot of my customers are older people because they can relate to that authentic old-fashioned food mm-hmm. that's even beyond um just traditional soul food and they come in and they say i read your article and i remember your grandfather mm that's amazing. And I said, are you serious? And then they remember my great grandfather from the church. And there's some that remember my grandfather from the lounge and they, they would say, "Ooh, I had some days in that lounge. You know, they said, well, we're not going to talk about that. But they're like in their late, you know, like close to 80 now. But they were young, young men, you know, hanging out at my grandfather's place back then. So for that to come full circle is amazing. And then for my mom to be able to come in my restaurant and you know, look at what I'm trying to do. And she used to work in his place. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it really is my motive. I know it's my motivation to, to just really keep pushing. And anybody knows a restaurant is not, you know, for the faint of heart. I do all of this by myself. I right now have two employees keep it small so i can handle it and try to grow slow but um it's not it's you know it's a huge undertaking but it's something that i really look at my parents and my ancestors and it helps me to keep pushing um because my, my mom came one day and we were closing. we were just in there and we were eating something and, and i saw her kind of look down and she shook her head she said i'm so proud of you and and i had to get up and leave because it brought tears to my eyes that you know she could see that I'm doing this by myself and these are you know you look at your your folks and say you know well what about you know I hope that they've got a chance to do what they want to do in their life and their dreams came true and you realize you are their dreams coming true this is what they sacrificed and took all that humiliation from what life brought and worked like a dog and you know just did without, so you can do this. So someone can ask you for an interview. And that's why I usually say yes to a lot of the magazine articles and all those things because someone asked me. And if they think enough of me slinging hot water cornbread, then hey, I'm here to do it. So um, I was proud to be named 2017, one of the 2017 Louisiana's of the year. Because of this, and I remember my dad saying, "People pay you for greens." You know, <laughs> it was just it was just humbling for them to know that the things that we took for granted—that people pay you for greens and you get an award for thinking enough to celebrate this food and people like it—that that's a lot. Yeah. And so, I I, uh, I work hard. I work hard to try to keep that going and not decline
0: congratulations on all the kudos that you've gotten so far and and congratulations on almost a year officially open for us up north Uh, I know open officially in August right and and, and things were going great like you said people were were coming in feeling like a real community and Mm -hmm. then and then COVID happens
1: yeah
0: how have you been forced to adjust
1: well, I was one of those people that took it extremely seriously, really seriously from the, um, from the start, from day one. And so we started spraying everything when somebody got up, sprayed and wiped everything down and adjusted our self-serve. And I stayed open a little bit, did a few pickup, you know, days. And after that, I, I was one of the places that closed early and didn't do, excuse me, the curbside pickup. And because I'm so new, I didn't have all of the amenities and things to serve that. And I just couldn't justify my customers coming in and my employees. I just didn't want anybody to get sick. And I didn't want to get sick. You know, people were dying. I have older parents that I see after. And I just couldn't justify it. But I did do some pop-up fish fries. Our fish fries are our most popular so I did a couple of those and I did some donor meals where people donated money. I did some food for first responders, you know, the healthcare workers and just some other people in the community. I did some of this stuff was on the news, you know, they did some coverage of it, but some of it, I just didn't want any, any, any press for it because there's so many people out there doing some really good things that are suffering during this. So I took some of those donations and, and did some food for it. So that kind of helped us get through some of this COVID, and so you know, this this crisis, but um, hopefully we'll be opening soon in the next few weeks and I'm working on how that's gonna be done safely.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you what your plan was uh, for reopening because again, like you said, we're still in the middle of it. It's not like it's over. So it's really just being uh, proactive and making sure that the customers are okay, uh, the yeah. employees are all right. And so what what do you see as the future for us up north?
1: Well, that's kind of, you know, you're kind of looking into your your magic eight ball to kind of figure out, I know what I can plan today, but we, the way this is going, we don't know what four weeks or five weeks from now is going to look like. So, um, you know, I'm not open, but they're doing the 25%, you know, numbers and all that. So, of course, I'm going to do, I think I'm going to start with pre-orders online and try to figure out how to handle you know, just regular walk-ins. How many days am I gonna be open? Um, but one of the things I know I'm gonna do are pre-cooked, pre-frozen, pre-paid, hopefully I can get all that done, uh, of meals to go. So people can come in and that's, that kind of goes back to my private chef days and pick up entrees for people to come and get. And of course I'll still have my um, popular fish fry Fridays. I'll probably have that every day. But um, I'm just kind of playing about ear, but I do know I want the least amount of contact as possible. And that's kind of what I'm rambling here about, how I can still serve the public without having, you know, so much contact and keeping the employees uh, safe and um, my customers, number one, keeping them safe. And I want them to come back, you know, I don't want them to be afraid to come and eat. So uh, hopefully we can get it all worked out and, and just kind of, I know it's going to take a while though. It's not when I say, you know, whatever date we're going to be opening, you know, everybody's going to come swarming. It'll take some time.
0: Well, I predict they will come
1: swarming because I have not
0: had the privilege of being up there yet, but I have seen the photos, and I don't know who's responsible for taking those photos. But from <laughs> the photos I see, I, I drool a little bit, and I, I didn't really, You know, I, it's it's bad for me to drool over photos, but I <laughs> can't imagine how good the food tastes so i'm sure that you will have repeat customers no matter if they got to wear sanitation outfits <laughs> or gloves or whatever i think that you will be fine when you're when you're able to uh, to make that happen so uh oh, listen, I, I, I i appreciate uh you joining me today i um i know like i said we, we we've known each other for about a year online Uh My goal with the podcast was to travel to all these places Uh and sit with the chefs and really have a conversation about what they do and why they love it. Um, It has not happened on either season. Uh, This this season was going to be it, but then COVID happened. So it's a pleasure to really just be able to connect with you this way. And hopefully one day I'll be able to get up there and taste what's happening up there with us up north. And, uh, and, and make it happen so thank you good. so much
1: tell everybody where they can find
0: and the restaurant please
1: uh, Us Up North is in Shreveport, Louisiana in the beautiful Allendale neighborhood about a minute from downtown and uh, 300 North Allen online, it's usupnorth.com I'm working on a new website um, but on, on Facebook is Us Up North, you can just search that out and on Instagram is Chef HDH And there's a lot of food, I take all those pictures. So I'm big on posting food pictures because I think if you can see it, then you can kind of imagine what we're what we're going for. So,
0: yeah, yes, indeed, <laughs> it looks amazing.
1: Thank you, Will.
0: Thank you. No, thank you so much for joining me. Like, uh, listen, uh, speed recovery to business and to you, and, and make sure that uh, that you stay safe
1: in these streets. You too. You and your family. I appreciate you. Okay, you take care. All right. You too. Thank you All so right. much. Bye bye.